Welcome. You're listening to Latin Waves with your hosts, Sylvia and Stuart Richardson. Latin Waves is more than just hot rhythms. This is a show about community, about creating a culture that is inclusive and based on fairness. Because everyone deserves dignity, respect, and has something to contribute. A new world is possible, and it all starts with us. You are listening to Latin Waves. I'm your host, Sylvia Richardson. I am delighted this morning to be joined by Yves Engler. Yves Engler is the author of 10 books. His latest is Left, Right, Marching to the Beat of Imperial Canada. Thank you for joining us, Yves. Thanks for having me. This is not just a, a medical crisis. This is also a political and an ideological crisis. So how do we overcome this because the capitalist system is known as a crisis system and one that knows how to use crisis. The uh, nursing homes in Quebec where the worst of the uh, the death rate of uh, COVID-19 is uh, one simple uh, uh, way to uh, lessen the toll that has been uh, wrought on uh, people uh, living in those homes is is by having better working conditions for the largely um, immigrant, uh, often undocumented even, uh, uh, workforce. Uh, you know, simple things like not, <clears throat> not having people work, and, w- and generally women, um, not having people work uh, in, in two different homes at the same time would have uh, lessened the uh, spreading of, of COVID-19 and then what is, you know, the bulk, the bulk of people who've been actually killed. Are, are those um, the most vulnerable older people in those homes? Um, so, you know, simple things like just, you know, paying people a, a livable wage and um, would have done that. Um, I think there are also some institutional broader beyond the direct, you know, payment of workforce and conditions of, of, of workforces, institutional structures of uh, better facilities and stuff like that. Those are, you know, in the case of Quebec, it's something where I live, where it is something that's been pretty well known for a long time. And there's been scandals of incredibly poor um, standards of uh, cleanliness, of, uh, of treatment of uh, of those living in the uh, homes. That's going back years and years. So the government's been very aware of that for years and has chosen to, uh, to not uh, put the resources into uh, uh, um, uh, dealing with those issues. Um, those are simple things. I mean, I, I think that there's, you know, there's broader um, uh, public health questions in terms of preparedness. The government, um, you know, has known for a long time and governments around the world have known that this was not a question of of whether there would be a, a novel coronavirus uh, um, pandemic, but a question of when. Um, and uh, there's all kinds of, you know, simple things like, uh, mask production and stuff like that 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 um, uh, and uh, storage and you know preparedness on that front that you know should have should have been done uh, long ago and um, and that was you know due to um, the government um, prioritizing other other matters why why do we uh, organize our society you know oriented towards uh, maximizing corporate profit rather than taking care of uh, basic, more simple things like uh, proper, you know, care for uh, old people who are ill and, and not just, that's just an extreme example, but all, all the way down the line. Um, but there's also, you know, simpler questions of like, why do we put uh, $30 billion a year into the military 
Um, this is supposed to be about protecting us from foreign threats. Uh, and the military is complete, uh, completely incapable of, you know, countering what is a, you know, a serious threat, which is the, uh, the, the pandemic and the military's, um, uh, not able to, uh, to deal with that. And so you can just simply move, uh, resources, you know, in, immediately in the very short term from the military slash thesis slash communication security establishment, the whole sort of so-called national security um, infrastructure and move it towards the health sector. And it would do a lot better for, for not only for uh, the people, for most of the population, but even from the, even from the standpoint of, you know, uh, Capitalism. I mean, this coronavirus uh, pandemic has been a bad thing from the standpoint of of uh, capitalism. So even from the standpoint of business, um, you know, have, getting public health questions in order or have a certain degree of importance. But but you know, those are those are questions of power and uh, political choice, and and uh, it will be interesting to see how much uh, coming out of the uh, uh, pandemic that how much these discussions will be uh, had. I mean, I think one of the things that has been shown is that um, all this business about, you know, government austerity and and government can't, you know, spend and we got to be really concerned about, uh, you know, the printing of money and stuff like that. I mean, that's all out the window. That's something that's been shown. That's clearly the government has the capacity to basically overnight uh, uh, print money and, provide some degree of uh, safety net uh, for those who've been, uh, you know, been impacted in the 8 million or so Canadians uh, on the uh, CREB are, you know, prime examples of how government intervention. And so those, those are some political questions that will come out of that. And hopefully there'll be a shift in the, uh, um, in the discussion at the same time, there's, I think some negative, some elements weirdly that, uh, the pandemic is clearly a global thing, and to a large extent, it shows how we're all in this together as a collective humanity. But, but oddly, um, it's also reinforced uh, sort of nationalist um, kind of uh, kind of ways of, of thinking and, and, and being. So we'll see how that uh, plays out in, in coming months. One of the things that I love of your books and of your critical way of looking at the world is that you hold the pulse of Canada and what Canada's doing abroad, but you're also self-critical of our movements, our social movements within. And I think it's important that we hold both sides, right? Acknowledge that in some ways our movements have gained some... Um, gains for workers. We are not working 16 hours a day. We have, um, you know, a minimum wage that, although not sufficient at this moment and could be improved, um, it's, you know, it's better than other places, perhaps. And, And at the same time, I think you also hold us responsible and then I think that's key because we are always response-able, you know, able to respond, um, to what does it mean for us to be a social movement? And recently you wrote an article about um, uh, the Planet of the Humans, you know, this very popular uh, movie, and, and about the backlash of, you know, many movements that 
in in theory, you you know perhaps should be supportive of a, a critical view of how capitalism's um, has imposed on us a way of being that completely counters our ability to sustain life. Can you talk a little bit about the film and and why why do you feel has it, it has raised so much backlash? What is the invitation here for us to consider? Yeah, I mean, the Planet of the Humans is a film that uh, Michael Moore, obviously well-known U.S. Uh, documentary filmmaker, um, is a co-producer of. And uh, my my article on it was that the uh, backlash to the film, uh, tell you know, is more uh, illuminating than the the film itself. I think I think that, that the film itself was um, fairly good, interesting uh, film that puts forward a, a critique of of corporate. Uh, consumption and it uh, link it shows how the idea that we're just going to find uh, um, alternative uh, non-carbon emitting forms of energy to just replace all this mass consumption of energy um, is is uh, is very unlikely, and that there's all kinds of uh, downsides, ecological downsides as well as social downsides to many of these uh, technologies that are presented as the alternative to coal or oil, um, natural, uh, you know, frack natural gas. Uh, It puts forward this sort of critique of of Earth's capacity to sustain more and more uh, consumption. Uh, It it talks, it mentions the question of, of, you know, human population, which has gone from uh, a billion to 7.8 billion between 1800 and today. Um, And it's a it goes after um, the a number of leading environmental uh, figures um, as having been, uh, um, you know, made peace with capitalism or bought out, you know, sold out to capitalism, and how they push forms of alternative energy that uh, have all kinds of, you know, obvious destructive uh, elements elements to it. And so it, it it puts forward these criticisms, and basically the uh, official environmental world um, completely lost, completely lost it, just frenzied hundreds of this over-the-top attacks against the film. And and to my mind, much of what the film is saying, I mean, I'm sure there's many errors and you know narrow errors of you know now a solar panel is a, is you know, have a bit better energy efficiency than it did five years ago when the data that film was using and all kinds of you know specific criticisms that I'm sure have have are you know sensible criticisms of what's in the film as it would be of you know basically any film. Um, but but it just takes this like frenzied attack uh, against against the uh, the the film that's just completely out of proportion with with any you know um, uh, limitation uh, to the film. And, and I think it's in large part because um, the uh, official environmental world is not um, willing to uh, to be honest about the need for substantial uh, reduction in consumption and growth. We need to we need to be particularly obviously in North America, but increasingly in many places of the world, we need to simply be uh, consuming less. Uh, and I don't I don't mean that in the in the narrow of the personal. This is not I don't see this as a sort of I I need to be a more ecological person and consume less. I need to restrain my personal. No, these are structural questions. We need to have less advertising that 
drives people towards consumption. We need to have changes to how products are made to go obsolete after a few years. We need to have laws that you know restrict that. And those laws do exist in some places. Um, we need to uh, restructure uh, cities so people uh, are not that. So it's basically uh, difficult to drive private cars, and that you can get what you need by foot, by bike, by mass transit. Um, so these are, these, are, these are structural questions, not, not, not personal uh, consumptive uh, questions. The, the envi- main environmental groups have very little appetite to question, to challenge those questions. And they've basically, um, I think what the film shows to a large extent, they've aligned themselves with uh, so-called green capitalism, you know, with solar industry, with wind uh, industry and, and other elements of, of uh, sort of so, sort of green capitalism. Um, and they've amassed a lot of power um, in doing that. And they have the capacity, the environmental movement has the capacity to generate hundreds and hundreds of attacks, frenzies of attacks against this film but you know, if you look at the indicators of uh, energy consumption, uh, if you look at the indicators of, of uh, you know, obviously climate change, but also with regards to uh, you know plastics in the ocean, destruction of of uh, different species, uh, ecosystems, we're going we're going in the wrong direction almost across the board. And the the uh, dominant uh, environmental groups, I think, have uh, have uh, been very unwilling uh, to be honest about the state of uh, of the situation. And the other thing the film does that I think is very embarrassing to the main environmental groups is it links, it connects the dots between the funding of these environmental groups um, and why they may take positions that are amenable to capitalism. And one of the reasons they take those positions, amenable to capitalism, is because they receive um, millions and millions of dollars from, um, from different uh, foundations that are set up by dominant capitalists from specific rich individuals sometimes they're you know fully in bed with with uh, uh major corporations and have like direct links to major corporations the film the film highlights that and that's very embarrassing uh to to the to the uh main uh environmental groups um so uh, so i wrote a piece basically you know highlighting some of this and you know someone like bill mckibben who represents the the best end the most progressive end of the dominant environmental world I mean, he he has uh, this piece from last year where he's explicitly defending the American military as a as a institution that can help us deal with the climate crisis. I mean, the American military is the greatest purveyor of violence in the history of humanity. Um, uh, it's the biggest institutional uh, uh, contributor of greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, it is completely insane completely insane for environmentalists to um, view the American military as anything but something that you want to reduce in size and potentially um, eliminate. I mean, there's, you know, there's a thousand totally sensible reasons to reduce or eliminate uh, the U.S. military that, that um, any uh, right-thinking environment, environmentalist, uh, it this should be abundantly obvious. So, so Bill McKibben is, you know, aligned with, uh, aligning himself explicitly, incredibly explicitly with, with um, the American military. And you go into the question of the private automobile. That's an area that I've, you know, I've co-authored a book about the private automobile. And you look at, you know, someone like Bill McKibben and, and other 
elements of environmental movement who have completely aligned with uh, the uh, you know electric cars and just totally downplayed the the beyond the the you know greenhouse gas emissions that come from the fueling of the car, um, but that the the whole model of of individuals driving three thousand pound uh, vehicles. I mean, it's completely unsustainable to imagine that seven billion people would all follow that model. It's which is structured around, you know, huge amounts of uh, resources, minerals that go into the automobile in the production, and the destruction of automobiles is quite energy intensive. And then, and then the whole model of you know everyone having big big houses and uh, you know Walmart. It's all structured around the private automobiles it underpins that, and 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 this, this is completely unsustainable model that that is something that um there's you know very good health reasons um there's very good uh saving of of resource reasons there's very good uh, saving of money reasons and obviously ecological reasons um for going away from the the model of private automobile but the dominant environmental groups tread very very uh, uh softly on that issue and i think that's in large part because they've they've made uh peace with um uh consumptive capitalism and and uh, i think the film it it uh it highlights some of that and it, it's it's for a lot of the environmental groups very embarrassing you know when i when i think about um the way you ride with such lucid uh, foresight and also historical grounding because the gift of your books is that it gives us a clear path of where we've been and it poses a, a, a landscape of where we're heading if we don't change things. So how do you see the the path for? How do you see us moving out of this colonial mindset into a decolonized hard you know, connectedness that perhaps can lead us to a new system of being, a new systems of co-creating um, economies, society, educational systems that support us? Well, I mean, I think that what we saw um, with the uh, with Suetin, uh struggle, not just uh, uh, in their territories, um, obviously you know, uh, uh, sparked by their resistance, but then uh, um, you know, spread across the country. Uh, that was a you know the probably the most impressive uprising of indigenous uh, activism um, in the history of in the history of Canada. And uh, the the you know it's led to um, some direct gains in terms of. Uh, the uh, agreement between the uh, BC government, whether those gains are, are sufficient, that's uh, clearly clearly not the case. But but some direct gains. Um, the obviously uh, the pandemic um, sort of undercut uh, the uh, the movement. Um, but but there was a a very impressive uh, level of. Of consciousness raising, um, you know, the Globe and Mail was forced to publish all kinds of stories that um, were were not what the Globe and Mail uh, likes to publish and is historically published. So, I mean, I think these things are political. Obviously, there's a there's an interaction between the personal and 
all of us taking the agency that we have, even when you know we're driven by structural uh, forces into weakness. So if someone is is uh, forced to be working uh, two uh, poorly paid jobs to pay exorbitant rent in Vancouver, uh, they obviously uh, it's very difficult to um, exert yourself uh, politically. Um, so there are all kinds of structural uh, barriers, but even someone who is in a, in facing uh, structural exclusion, uh, substantive structural exclusion from political life, still has uh, um, you know some capacities to 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 exert themselves. And how the individual, uh, at how that plays out at the individual level, is is a complicated uh, dynamic. I have personally seen now a, a number of of uh, uprising, political uprisings that are you know of 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 the of the scale that they leave some I think lasting impact. I think the the recent uh with Woodson struggles one, the student strike in twenty twelve in Quebec is another. Um uh, I don't know more. Uh, you know, what galvanizes uh a bunch of individuals to to uh take action that they they you know hadn't been taking uh in previous months or years is is it's a complicated uh uh, uh, process, but but I think at the end of the day, all like it has to be structured around um, uh, mass po- political action. There are you know personal uh, journeys that people need to take, um, but so much of that is intertwined with uh, mass political action. And how to how to stir mass political action is mostly comes down to a question of work and, and building and mobilizing and organizing um, and sustained uh, work. Now, um, that's not the uh, particularly uh, uh, romantic uh, answer because it's, 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 there is no sort of clear, uh, clear uh, answer to it. Um, but uh but I think that that's ultimately now you get into bigger questions of political parties and and how do we really you know build an alternative to a system that so many understand is exploitative, is ecologically destructive. Um, uh, you know, is that done simply through social movement activism, or do you need to have a, a political party and, and intervene in the the official uh, uh, political realm. Um, I think that's that itself is a whole complicated question of of uh, there are you know personally I, I prefer the the organizing social movements outside of official politics realm, but I, I do completely understand that there is a need to, to um, or, or that you can get get certain gains if you have um, uh, sympathetic. Uh, administration that you simply cannot get those gains, uh, or it's inc- that much more difficult to get those gains if you have a, a very uh, uh, right-wing or oppositional um, government in place. So, so, so those are you know there's there's lots of uh, uh, difficult questions in, in how that process plays out. But I think at the root is that if if we want to uh, radically uh, reform uh, Canadian society to build a more just, less ecologically damaging, uh, less uh, imperialistic uh, society that we need to organize and we need to mobilize um, and uh, and we need to engage uh, as many as 
many people as possible in uh, in bringing that about. I learned when I was a child that when people lead, governments followed. And, you know, in many ways, you're right. It's never going to be one political party that will get it done. It never has been. It's always been the movements from the people that cause shifts and cause governments to change their mind and cause governments to nationalize industries and cause governments to fall, you know. And we see it all, you know, daily in the struggles in Latin America. We see it today in Venezuela with people um, fighting to, you know, keep the U.S. out of the, their country. And yet, um, you know, the, with all those um, movements, we learn very valuable lessons. So I wonder, in closing, what inspires you? Uh, what, what are the lessons that have um, energized you and nourished you that will help you move forward despite all this um, isolation and uh, impose, you know, processes of isolating that may ensue once the pandemic is, you know, halted? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's obviously infinite examples to be inspired from through history. Um, but I mean, anybody who feels like uh, there's difficult obstacles to changing uh, the power structures in Canada today should just take a look back at the Haitian Revolution, um, and and you know people people in um, circumstances of uh, of uh, uh, disempowerment and brutality uh, overcoming uh, those those uh, forces um, that you know make make uh, the difficulties of of, uh, of Canadian uh, activism of, you know, the, the real um, repression that people may face in Canada from, from resisting or the difficulties of overcoming the, you know, the propaganda systems. I mean, if you take a look at how uh, Haitian masses um, rose up over 13 years and defeated the, uh, the uh, uh, French uh, British, Spanish, uh, the main empires of the day, which were backed by the, the U.S., um, a rising force that time, um, and were able to, you know, defeat uh, slavery, were able to, you know, send a massive blow to white supremacy and ultimately uh, a decolonization, you know, to build their own country. Um, that's, uh, you know, something that I think I, I find incredibly inspiring to, to see that people were, who were really the, 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 you know, the, the worst off of the worst off in the world at the time um, were able to, to accomplish that. Um, and uh, uh, they, they didn't just improve their lot. In many cases, I think, arguably, they didn't necessarily improve their lot and that so many people were killed. And, but they clearly uh, improved uh, the lot of, of uh, certainly everyone of, of, you know, of African descent, um, but I think more generally, they just advanced anti-racism, uh, decolonization, uh, you know, just simply questions of liberty in a way that uh, that a few examples in the history of humanity have done. And uh, and again, these are these you know these are under conditions that are so much more difficult than today. So so yes, there's uh, it's frustrating to be uh, uh, excluded from uh, uh, being able to get. 
critical information about Canadian foreign policy into uh, major uh, corporate dailies. It's frustrating to uh, find it, you know, have a difficulty motivating people to come out to a rally or, or, or whatever. Um, but I mean, we're talking about uh, difficulties that are on such a such a minor scale next to uh, some of the great uh, struggles in, in history, humanity, notably uh, the Haitian Revolution. That uh, that I think that people should uh, um, uh, you know draw inspiration from uh, that that history and uh, and how uh, um, it, it changes. Change is doable. Change has happened. Uh, change is happening, and uh, it's a matter of we whether we make that change. Uh, um, the the change that's more leads to a more equitable, uh, more just world. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us today. How can our audience uh, access your books? How can they reach you? Uh, easiest is through my uh, website, just uh, eveengler dot com, and there's a list of the books, and they're at the different. Uh, Bookstores, libraries, um, but yeah, evengler.com, Y-V-E-S-E-N-G-L-E-R.com. Thank you again for being with us. Take care. Thank you, Bye-bye. We've come to the end of our show, Latin Waves. Latin Waves is an internationally syndicated weekly program made available through campus and community stations and available out to the world at www.latinwavesmedia.com.